Amen. Love that song. Thank you, young people, for being here and for singing that this morning. Uh, last chance here, I'd like to recognize any educators who may have come in or a category that we totally didn't think about and should have, any retired educators. All right, so we're going to let the young people sit down so we can definitely see you. But any educators, teachers, administrators, current, retired, that we have missed, would you please stand? Brenda Dewey, right over here. <laughs> Sheila Larea. Yes, could you give us your name in the back? Sorry, somebody help me. Jackie, okay, very good. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Thank you. I think we all understand that, that young people are the future of our communities. And once again, thank you to all of the educators who are here this morning. We truly appreciate the investment that you make into the lives of young people in our community every day. And in planning for the message this morning, certainly I knew that we would have teachers and educators with us, but we're also starting a new series this morning entitled, Women Who Made an Impact. And it's going to go through the month of May. Lest the men feel left out, we're going to do Men Who Made an Impact in June. So we're going to cover all the bases. And if you have a Bible this morning, our text is going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 18. If you're physically able, would you stand for the reading this morning, Acts chapter 18. We're going to read just a few verses here, Acts 18, verse number 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Today we're going to look at the life of Priscilla. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for education and, and all of our students who are here today and, and also educators from schools all across this county. And we pray that you would bless now in our message that it would be uh, a time of building for all of us, no matter what our life mission is, no matter what we do each day of the week. Guide us, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us this morning. I think we all understand that the role that ladies have in the kingdom of God is truly extraordinary. We're going to see in this series that ladies often make contributions, and, and men do as well, that create ripple effects in others. And when I think of the role that educators play, I can definitely see a ripple effect. 
Some of you who are teachers or Sunday school teachers who have influenced people are now teaching the children of your former students. And that doesn't make you old. That just makes you faithful. Uh, Some of you have taught young people that went on to be or will go on to be teachers themselves. And that's such an exciting thing. In our first session of the series, once again, we want to consider this lady named Priscilla. Now, Priscilla was found often in early church history, and our life group studied all of those instances this morning. Anytime we see her in the New Testament, she is making a difference in the lives around her. For all of you baseball fans out there, I believe it was legend Jackie Robinson who said, A life isn't significant except for its impact on other lives. Yeah, that's a great quote. I've always liked that quote. Many historians identify Jackie Robinson as the most influential person in sports history. My prayer is that this short message today can touch your life because you touch the lives of others. Yeah, so let's get into the passage. And we start by saying that we should be, according to Priscilla's example, paying attention to what's promising. Paying attention to what's promising. In each of the times she's listed in Scripture, you find Priscilla working in tandem with her husband Aquila. They were simple tent makers, but they were also educators. And just because you don't get paid by a school doesn't mean that you can't be an educator. We have a lot of people who are educators here in this room uh, with with your own children at home and with uh, children in community, whether it's in some type of a club at church or uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, uh, any kind of scouts. We have people who influence the lives of children. And thank God for you. But this was a tandem, Aquila and Priscilla, that constantly kept an eye out for people at various stages of life with a need for instruction or encouragement. In this particular passage, they observed this young man named Apollos, He had recently come from Alexandria, Egypt, where he was born and where he'd studied. (laughs) Alexandria was a center of knowledge and information in the ancient world. Alexandria had some of the oldest and, and largest collections of manuscripts back at that time in world history. And other people in the room, as they listened to Apollos, may have been blown away by his style. Some were critiquing his style. Um, Some were whispering back and forth about his lack of updated knowledge. You know, he was still using the 1976 edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, and everybody else was using the Internet. So he was was way behind in some of his information. And it's always daunting to speak to educators because uh, you know that if they have a critical spirit that they're picking apart my grammar as I speak. And that's a daunting task, let me tell you. But I I hope you'll have a a blessed spirit today as I speak and not pick that apart. But here here they were in this era where they didn't have quite all the information right. There was no New Testament yet. And uh, Apollos had received all of his information by word of mouth there in Egypt. He was just talking about what he knew. Aquila and Priscilla (coughs) noticed the great potential in him. I was reading a story by Helen Rosla, who taught at a parochial school uh, several decades ago, 
during the early years of the Vietnam War. And here's her story. Get a drink first. Okay. You ready for the story? Some of you to see you. Get on with the story. <coughs> One Friday, things just didn't feel right. We had worked hard on a new concept all week. And I sensed that the students were growing frustrated with themselves and edgy with one another. <coughs> I had to stop this crankiness before it got out of hand. So I asked them to list the names of the other students in the room on two sheets of paper, leaving a space between each name. <coughs> I apologize. <coughs> it's not part of the story. All right, here we go. Then I told them to think of the nicest thing they could say about each of their classmates and write it down. That Saturday, I wrote down the name of each student on a separate sheet of paper, and I listed what everyone else had said about that individual. On Monday, I gave each student his or her list. Some of the lists ran two pages. Before long, the entire class was smiling. Really? I heard whispered. I never knew that meant anything to anyone. I didn't know others liked me so much. No one ever mentioned those papers again, and that group of students moved on. <coughs> Several years later, I returned from a vacation, and my parents met me at the airport. On the way home, my dad cleared his throat and said, The Ecklands called last night. Really, I said, I haven't heard from them for several years. I wonder how Mark is. Dad responded quietly. Mark was killed in Vietnam. The funeral's tomorrow, and his parents would like it if you could attend. I had never attended a military funeral before. Why did it have to rain today? It was difficult enough. One by one, those who loved Mark took a last walk by the coffin. I was the last one to stop by. As I stood there, one of the soldiers who had acted as a pallbearer came up to me. Were you Mark's math teacher, he asked. I nodded as I continued to stare at the coffin. Mark talked about you a lot, he said. After the funeral, most of Mark's former classmates headed to a farmhouse for lunch. Mark's mother and father were there, obviously waiting for me as I stepped down. We want to show you something, his father said, taking a wallet out of his pocket. They found this on Mark when he was killed. We thought you might recognize it. Opening the billfold, he carefully removed two worn pieces of notebook paper that had obviously been taped, folded, and refolded many times. I knew without looking that the papers were the ones on which I had listed all the good things each of Mark's classmates had said about him. Thank you so much for doing that, Mark's mother said. As you can see, Mark treasured it. Mark's classmates started to gather around us. Chuck smiled rather sheepishly and said, I still have my list. It's in the top of my desk drawer at home. John's wife said, John asked me to put his in our wedding album. I have mine too, Marilyn said. It's in my diary. Then Vicki, another classmate, reached into her pocketbook, took out her wallet, and showed her worn and frazzled list to the group. I carry this with me at all times, Vicki said, without batting an eyelash. I think we all saved our lists. That's when I finally sat down and cried. I've always loved that story because it shows what an impact one little thing can make in a life. 
What would make so many adults hold on to two pieces of paper for so long? Even into battle in a rice paddy halfway around the world. The answer is appreciation. Every soul is incredibly hungry for recognition and appreciation. <coughs> Excuse me. When Priscilla and Aquila took notice of Apollos, they opened the door to influence his life. And that's what paying attention to what's promising will do. But then we see practicing acceptance in the present. Practicing acceptance in the present. Before they could fix anything at Apollos, they first had to receive him. John C. Maxwell says it this way, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Look at the phrase in verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, look at this next phrase, they took him unto them. They took him unto them. They gave him a place to belong. You know, belonging is one of the most basic human needs. Many people are suffering around us because they feel isolated and excluded, especially young people. Albert Lalonde noted this, many young people today <coughs> have never experienced a deep emotional attachment to anyone. They don't know how to love or be loved. The need to be loved translates itself into the need to belong to someone or something. Driven by their need, they will do anything to belong. And we see this all the time with young people and adults alike. They will do anything to have a sense of belonging. Proximity, though, matters when it comes to accepting and nurturing. You can't nurture anyone from a distance. You can only do it up close. And so Aquila and Priscilla brought this young man to themselves. They became close to him. And that closeness, that proximity, that care made a difference in his life. Walt Disney said there are three kinds of people in the world. First, there are well poisoners who discourage others and stomp out their creativity and tell them what they can't do. Well poisoners. I guess that was a term back in the 60s. Uh, then there are the lawnmowers. They have good intentions but they're always self-absorbed, mowing their own lawns and never help others. And then there are the life enhancers, people who reach out to enrich the lives of others and to nurture people so that they're motivated to grow and reach their own potential. And that's what we see next as a trait in the team of Aquila and Priscilla. Verse 26, at the end of the verse. They took him unto them. I underline that phrase in my Bible. Then look at the next phrase and expounded unto him the way of God, <coughs> excuse me, more perfectly, more perfectly. Now that they had influence in his life, they could help him. And this third area, pressing always for full potential. Pressing always for full potential. Apollos had room to grow. I'm sure you've realized that everyone has room to grow. Some people will welcome coaching with open arms. 
while others stubbornly refuse to be mentored or shaped. One of the other people that this tandem encouraged was a former zealot named Paul. Look back at the first verse of this chapter. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And look at the end of the verse, and came unto them. So they received him. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for, by their occupation. They were tent makers. So they received Paul just like they had received this young man, Apollos. And Paul would later write to one of his own students in these words from 2 Timothy 2. This is such a huge principle of God's Word. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. That's 2 Timothy 2.25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. All educators need amazing patience in helping those whose worst enemy is self. That's most of us. Most of us, our worst enemy is self. So many feel self-defeated. They believe they'll fail. My number one enemy looks at me in the mirror every day. It takes true faith in God to escape his clutches. He holds me back at every turn. And I'm sure you're the same way. The young people that Priscilla and Aquila and Paul mentored needed someone to come along beside them and let them know God had a big plan, a big purpose for their lives. Evangelist Bill Glass worked in prison ministry, and he did a study within prisons all across the United States. He said that over 90% of prison inmates were told by a parent growing up, they're going to put you in jail. Is that a staggering statistic? 90% of prison inmates were told by either their mom or their dad growing up, they're going to put you in jail. Instead of building up, some parents are tearing down. Many kids feel like no one's on their side in anything. That's where a person of influence can step in and make a difference. But you have to believe in them before they succeed. See, some of us, we say, well, I happily believe in them if they'll just do something. If they'll get something right, I'll get on board and believe in them. You know, believing has to happen before they succeed. Have you ever noticed how many people will start supporting a sports team as soon as it begins to win? All of a sudden, they go buy a jersey just in time for the Super Bowl. You say, boy, I didn't know you were a Niners fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been a Niners fan for years. Oh, really? Nick can vouch for people who've done that, right? Um, you see people, they get the, the big jacket on. What I want to see is the guy who was the Niners fan when they were 1-15. and 15, Right? When they were 2-14 and 14 that year. That's what I want to see. You don't see many people walking around in Kansas City Royals t-shirts. Right? Well, Cynthia Maxwell and I have been true lifelong fans. Now, look, they haven't been in the playoffs since they won the World Series when I was 13 years old in 1985. But they're full of potential. 
They could make the playoffs this year, Cynthia. You know what I'm saying? I have said that every year for the last 28 years. One of my favorite possessions growing up was this tiny little sports bag that said Kansas City Royals. And I used to carry my books in it everywhere I went. I was a proud Royals fan. And I've lost a lot of pride over the years (laughs) with the Royals. Priscilla and Aquila had to sign on early, though. They had to be Apollos fans to help him get where he needed to be. And so they brought him in, and they got close to him, and they showed him, we really care about you. And then they expounded the Word of God to him more perfectly. They gave him some areas of his life where he could grow in influence. And that brings us to this next one. Promoting along to expanded possibilities. Verse number 27. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews in that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. You know, Apollos went on to become one of the great orators of the entire New Testament era. He had started with some giftedness for sure. But Aquila and Priscilla helped him along the way. You know, authentic educators are thrilled when their pupils rise above them in influence. Deep inside, they're rejoicing at their own influence expansion. See, anybody who helps somebody influences a lot of buddies. Let me say that again. Maybe you missed the grammar on this. Anybody who helps somebody influences a lot of buddies. Buddies, B-O-D-I-E-S. You guys, some of you are with me. So, oh, my voice is bad today. You know, the nature of influence is to multiply. Mentors impact eternity because there's no telling where their influence will stop. You're shaping tomorrow's leaders if you're a mentor. And it's such an important task. Robert Louis Stevenson advised this. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. I love that quote. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. The Apostle Paul, befriended and encouraged by Priscilla and her husband, later told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, I have planted, Apollos watered this young man, but God gave the increase. It's our job to plant seeds. It's God's job to give the increase. If we could just get that down, we would never have to have a competition with another believer. God's the one who gets the credit. And it's amazing what can be done if we just say, God, you get the glory for this. We're just going to step out and do what we can. And Aquila and Priscilla did that. They gave their lives to mentoring those around them. It's our job to plant seeds. Aquila and Priscilla influenced Paul, who mentored Timothy, who mentored others that mentored others. There's a verse in 2 Timothy that sums it up so well. If you'd look over there, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
Toward the end of the New Testament, you find 2 Timothy. It's a small book written to a young pastor. Many Bible scholars believe that 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy were written to this young man before he turned 18 years old. It's a very young man in ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul said, Timothy, I'm teaching you so that you can teach people who will teach people. And that's mentoring. The biblical model for mentoring is the best model there is. I will love you and teach you so that you can love him and teach him, so that you can love him and teach him. And truly, biblical mentorship, discipleship, is the reason why we're here today. The only reason why we would be in a New Testament biblical church today is because through the decades and the centuries of time, people have developed other believers around them. They've helped them along the way. They've taught them the Word of God more perfectly. Think back, if you will, as we close today, to a Priscilla or Aquila in your life. Someone who saw promise in you. Someone who accepted you for who you were and helped you reach your potential. It may have been a teacher. It may have been a coach. It may have been your first boss. It may not have been your first boss. I don't know who it was, but have you ever thanked that person? Have you ever looked them up if they're still on the earth and say, you made a difference in my life? I know it would make a difference in their life if you did. You ought to find them. The internet makes it easier than ever. First pastor I worked for in 1994, worked for him for two years, and I learned a whole lot of what not to do. You know, he was a good man. He, had a, he loved people, and he was doing his best. And for many years of my life, I looked at him as learning what not to do. There was a lot of pride involved in my life at even thinking that. But several years ago, I had to sit down and write him a letter and say, you know what? I've thought the wrong thing about you for a long time. And I had to thank him for helping me. And thank him for what I learned. And apologize for some of my stupidity. Some of my pride. And he wrote me the nicest letter back. He's in his 70s now. And, you know, he basically forgave me for being a young, impossible, proud jerk. I think we've all had stages of our life where we thought we knew better than our mentors, where we thought we had things figured out better than our teachers. And there may have been a teacher in school, or there may be a teacher in school, if you're still in school, who you always feel like you need to correct. You always feel like they don't get it right. If they just do it this way. But the truth is, God has placed that mentor in your life for a reason. And that reason may have nothing to do with what's written on a blackboard. 
or a whiteboard or a smart board. I'm moving into the 21st century here progressively. It may have to do with just one little thing in their lifestyle. One little connection that they made with you. One little time when they cared for you. So look them up. Tell them, hey, you influenced my life. More important than a person of influence, though, think of the person who shared with you that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. Think of that person. Think back to the day, the year, the time when someone shared the gospel with you. Maybe no one ever has shared the gospel with you. If not, I'd love to be a friend to you today and open God's Word and show you that we all need a Savior. If you just let me know after the service or any time that you'd like to understand more about eternal life, I'd be happy to show you from God's Word. There's a story that I've heard several times, and I heard it again just the other day. It first appeared in Home Life magazine in 1976. And it's been told throughout the decades. It was loosely based on the experiences of a lady named Elizabeth Ballard. Whether you've heard it before or not, I know it'll bless you today. As she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, she told the children an untruth. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same and she would treat them all the same. However, that was impossible because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he didn't play well with the other children. His clothes were messy and he constantly needed a bath. In addition, Teddy could be unpleasant. He got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would actually take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen, making bold X's on the things he missed, and then putting a big F at the top of his papers. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records. And she put off Teddy's until the very last. But when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well liked by his classmates, but he's troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on Teddy. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn. It doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have any friends and he sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents at the Christmas party, wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in 
heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was and put it on. And she dabbed some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smell just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And instead, Mrs. Thompson began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. And by the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest kids in the class. And despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became her teacher's pet. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy telling her that she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Six years went by before she got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in his life. Four years after that, she got another letter, saying that while things had been tough at times, he'd stayed in school, had stuck with it, and would soon graduate from college with the highest of honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson that she was still the best and favorite teacher he had ever had in his whole life. Then four more years passed, and yet another letter came. This time he explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go a little further. The letter explained that she was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had. But now his name was a little longer. The letter was signed Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. The story doesn't end there, though. See, there was another letter that that spring. Teddy said he had met this girl. He was going to get married. And he explained that his father had died a couple years ago, and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit at the wedding in the place that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Mrs. Thompson did. You know, she wore that bracelet, the one with several rhinestones missing. She made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other. Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, Thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. Mrs. Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back. She said, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't even know how to teach until I met you. You know, by God's grace, we can all encourage someone. By God's love, we can all make a difference in someone. But it's going to require us to look outside of our own 
little world of self to the big wide world of others. There are a lot of teddies around today. Some of them are 8, 9, 10 years old. Some of them are 25, 26, 27 years old. Some of them are in their 40s. And nobody has ever once showed them God's love. And we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus Christ and to show people in our community every day that God's love works. It'll work for them. Would you bow with me today? As we close in prayer, I'd like to make a commitment prayer for all of our mentors. Whether you teach at a school or you teach your kids at home, whether you help in a a WANA program or you help in some kind of youth environment, maybe you're an adult mentor. I'd like to say a commitment prayer for you today before we close. And if you have a burden on your heart, I'm going to ask God to help you to cast your burden to Him. If there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, I hope you'll take me up on my offer. I'd love to show you from God's Word how you can know for certain you're a child of God. Our Father, I thank you today for all of our teachers, our educators, mentors in this room. I pray that you would help us to realize that all of us can be mentors if we'll just find somebody who needs help, somebody who needs love, somebody who needs influence. I pray that as these people dedicate their lives, as they make it their life mission to influence people, that you would guide them, that you would give them courage, that you would give them foresight, give them wisdom, give them direction. I pray that they would live lives of faith, that they would live an example before their students and before those that they help. I pray that you'd guide them and their families in a special, special way because you're a good God. We love you and we thank you that Jesus died on the cross as the gift of eternal life for all of us. Guide us now through this week, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to dismiss in just a second. Would you do this? If you are a teacher who's here today or an educator, you and your family are invited to walk right down to our other building for a special luncheon that we have prepared for you. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We do have choir practice today at 440. Our evening service is at 530. And we'd love to have you join us for those things. Let's stand. And we'll be dismissed today.